The Phoenix Suns remind us what they're capable of when they're at their best as well as well how ugly it looks when they're not. 112-100 win, recapping everything you need to know from the W, coming right up on Locked on Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, credentialed media member covering the Suns the past five seasons. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single morning. Watch us on YouTube. That's Locked On Suns, our new YouTube channel, slowly growing. Doing a giveaway, a purple home opener towel at 500 subscribers, a Kelly Oubre bobblehead at 1,000 subscribers. We will get there. I know we will. Um, listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for making Locked on Suns your first listen every single morning. Not second, not third, but the thing you do every single day when you wake up. Today's show, guys, is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. All right, a 112-100 Suns victory. Normal recap show today, the beauty of a weekday game. A nationally televised game with the former coach of the Pelicans broadcasting the game with the former assistant lead assistant of the Suns, coaching the Pelicans in place of that broadcaster. A lot of storylines, but not a lot of talent, unfortunately. Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson both out for New Orleans tonight, although Devontae Graham did play. He has been missing time early for the Pelicans. And then, of course, on the Suns' side, no DeAndre Ayton, who is questionable headed in, and no Cameron Payne, who is still about a day short of his one-week timeline and could miss Thursday's game as well. So depleted rosters, but that did not stop New Orleans from getting out to a 59-48 win, uh, lead at halftime. It was even bigger than that at points as well. I believe they, they were up 41-24 to at one point. I believe they were up 38-21 to or something like that at one point. So this game got ugly very quickly. I believe the Suns had 15 first-half turnovers and... Eight of them were Chris Paul and Devin Booker. That would end with 19 total turnovers as a team for 30 Pelicans points, including 19 fast break points for New Orleans. So a lot of the sticky stuff that I I predicted going into this game where a bad roster without its best players and a young roster was just going to try to run and take threes. And that's exactly what happened. They were feistier defensively than I expected, but... The Suns were able to sneak away with a win by coming out a little bit sharper in that second half and getting the job done. So I'm going to start, as always, with my big takeaway from this game. We'll get into some of the other positives here in the second segment, and then we'll close out with some usual recap show segments. We might be bringing back the Bridges Breakout Watch. I did not think we were going to be doing this here this season because I thought that we could retire that segment. The breakout was here, the payday. Everything else, it's it, it's just a, a, it's done. It's a wrap. But he keeps pushing the boundaries of what he can be. So I might have to go back into that. We'll also have a lot to talk about off of the bench. So stay tuned. But big takeaway from this game. It's pretty simple. 
the Suns future, the Suns status this season is in their hands completely. It's completely in their hands. They can be as good or as bad as they want to be. And in the first half, we saw how bad it can be when they don't play with that sense of urgency. And in the second half, we saw how it can look when they do. It was pretty similar to the Kings game, although I do think Sacramento has far more talent than New Orleans did, at least in its lineup today, without its two best guys. Um, But it felt very similar. The Suns were giving up opportunities. There were terrible turnovers. One, uh, I was talking to Kellen Olsen during the game. Chris Paul was picking the, the chosen dreadful turnover mistakes that Kellen pointed to was Chris Paul just picking up his dribble past the three-point line on multiple occasions. The one that was driving me insane that, that almost put me over the edge was Devin Booker in the post on the right wing um, or on the, the right baseline, I'm sorry, and Devontae Graham pokes the ball loose. Devontae Graham in general was beating Booker to spots and, and creating havoc in a way that he sh- has no business doing at shorter than six feet tall and probably no more than 180 pounds. Is just not a player you should be allowing to be any sort of enforcer defensively. He had four steals in this game, and it was terrible. And then in the second half, you obviously see how things can turn around. Chris Paul, I believe, had 10 assists in the second half alone, passing Steve Nash to become the number three all-time assister in NBA history. You had JaVale McGee and Frank Kaminsky both with excellent second halves. You had Devin Booker coming alive in the fourth quarter, 4 of 4 from the field, nine points, I believe, for him in that stretch, and then Mikhail Bridges sort of filling in the gap. So, very much another game for this team where it's a tale of two halves and, and all of those um, tropes that we like to throw around in sports, especially in basketball, but very, very true. And to me, I think the real way that this matters, you know, because I don't, I'm not somebody who really thinks the Suns necessarily need to be gunning for the one seed and going out of their way to, you know, play crazily aggressive just to get a couple of extra regular season wins. But at the same time, you don't want to get too far. You know, you don't want to be worried about the play-in or any of that type of thing. So that matters. You don't want to drop these types of games. And they've been fortunate that, you know, Kings game was probably the only one this season where you really look at it and say, you know, they they had no business losing. And and that was a, a real disappointment. They were able to steal this one. They were able to beat the Cavs, some of these other games. And then beating the Lakers, obviously, is a nice one to have in your back pocket as well. So aside from that, the real way that I think this is going to become a a storyline more so than just having to deal with the topsy-turviness of these games and how frustrating that can be is the minutes. Because you look at the the minutes tonight, Mikhail Bridges played 42, Chris Paul played 36, Devin Booker played 34. We saw before DeAndre Ayton went out, he was playing routinely in the mid-30s. And that's just not what you want to be doing. I mean, you have the talent if you're the Suns to coast to wins. You should be able to coast to wins. I asked Devin Booker about it opening night because he is now not playing the full first quarter. His rotation's been a little bit different. And I talked about it in that recap show that the team is looking at itself as deeper and more balanced than it was last season. And that should result in guys not having to play as much. And you can have some games where you're blowing out teams and resting and that type of thing. So that come postseason time, when you really have your ultimate goal in mind, you're healthier and you're able to 
go to the next level minutes-wise and aggressiveness-wise that we know is going to come, and you're not tired from the regular season. So that's I'm not going to say that every single game is going to be like this. I think that they're realizing with games like the Sacramento game and this one that they just don't need to put themselves into these holes and that they can be overwhelming without playing super hard. I mean, they have the level of talent that they can turn it on in a couple of key moments in a game and just win. So I think that's where you really want to start to see the the page turn and maybe a couple of first half dominance instead of always having to wait until the very end of the game to put these pushes on. Houston coming up is a great example of when that can happen. You just don't want guys to have to be playing a ton of minutes. You don't want some of these losses to pile up so that you're worried about seeding. The Suns are deeper, they are better this year, and they should be able to show that. And that's really my big takeaway, is, is a team like New Orleans has no reason to be pushing the Suns the way that they did. I called this heading into it a get-right game, some a game where the Suns should be able to sort of circle and, and reconvene and, and push forward past, and maybe it can still be that, but it doesn't need to be this hard. All right, more positives coming up on the other side. First, though, a quick word one more time from McDonald's, the unofficial community center serving people everywhere since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi as well as endless supply of French fries and McFlurries. And win or lose, it's a place where teammates and competitors the home team or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. You know what the best moment to have McDonald's is? Is after, whether it's a game, like a sporting event or a concert, and it's like midnight and nothing else is open and you stroll into a McDonald's, you know it's going to hit the spot. You know it's going to be the exactly what you need to feel like the night is complete and satisfying and wonderful. And yeah, the road trip thing is exactly the right call as well from McDonald's. They know that uh, stopping in one of those random cities and there's always going to be a McDonald's, it's always going to be delicious. And it's always going to be exactly, again, what you need to refuel and reconnect. Maybe even the right place for a Locked On Suns watch party. We have to find a, lock, uh, a McDonald's that actually has a TV. That's few and far between. But uh, that could be in our future. Again, McDonald's, I'm loving it. All right, more positives from the Suns' 112-100 victory over the New Orleans Pelicans. Monty Williams taking down his longtime uh, mentee here, Willie Green, in Willie's return to the Valley after two seasons on the Suns' coaching staff. I will say, I mean, Willie Green was able to, I mean, you can see the imprint. You know, he was, he came to Phoenix as sort of the defensive tactician and this team competed. They executed the defense, which is saying something for how young they are. You know, the sure, like Valanchunas as sort of the anchor of the defense, had two blocks. He is a veteran, but they were really trying to be pressure and aggression oriented on the perimeter. And that was a lot of young players. You had Nikhil Alexander-Walker starting in this game. You had Trey Murphy, the rookie, playing 25 minutes, leading all Pelicans in bench minutes. You had Herb Jones and, and guys like that who are very, very young and were able to trap Chris Paul to force Devin Booker into bad shots and, and bad mistakes with the ball in his hands. And so 
I think that is a lot of credit, but you know, that's to me the place where you got to go for the Suns on the positive side is I think they're learning each other. I think that they are going through some, I, I do feel like you're seeing it from an X's and O's standpoint, the overcoming of different looks, the fact that they're getting the best version of their opponent in most of these games. And, you know, that's kind of the message that I got post game being in the press conference, whether it was Chris Paul talking about, you know, JaVale McGee and Frank Kaminsky, who we will get to in this neck in this last segment in the bench mob vibe check that I like to do this year. But that was the, the message is, you know, Chris Paul feeling like he can rely on Frank Kaminsky and that they can, even Monty Williams was saying with Frank back in there, they're able to run some of the old sets offensively that they haven't even busted out this year because Frank has not been in the rotation and Dario has been injured. And so they've been doing more to capitalize on McGee and Aiton going downhill. So whether it's that, whether it's getting more of a comfort level with what McGee is good at, that's Monty and Chris both. Again, Monty talking about you know, getting him, keeping him fresh, keeping JaVale fresh for four or five minutes at a time rather than extended stretches. And Chris talking about, you know, just sort of seeing how defenses react to JaVale as part of it, not just the two of them getting that chemistry. You have uh, Mikhail Bridges and Devin Booker, who clearly are taking their connection in transition to another level. And then you have, you know, guys like Jay Crowder, who are just getting comfortable from behind the arc and starting to knock down some of their shots. Mikhail Bridges obviously growing and and getting comfortable and confident doing more offensively inside the arc as well. So that to me is something that you can take away despite the frustration of how polar polar opposite the first half and second half have been for this Suns team in a lot of these games is I do think that they are like you can't take for granted the fact that there is newness to this team and I think that that is still getting lost in a lot of ways because they ran it back to to a large degree but I mean you just watched JaVale McGee for five minutes and you know how big of an adjustment he's going through and this team is going through trying to get him integrated and comfortable he is there was one post up in I believe the first quarter where he's dribbling the absolute life out of the ball and then turns it over and, you know, I, I've joked about the air ball floater he had. There are, you know, he's another four turnover game from him tonight. And you have already Abdul Nader out of the rotation. You have Monty Williams and Chris Paul consistently taking Alfred Payton to the side and talking with him. You have Landry Shamit, who is still in a funk. So the 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 adjustment and integration of, of new pieces and changing around the way that they play, that stuff is still happening. I I think the fact that the starting lineup is the same or that they were able to re-sign a lot of their players has, has let that go. And I would also add to that that they are, I think, trying to kind of see where their energy is going to come from. Because right now, in particular, with Cameron Payne not playing, and I would also add Torrey Craig not here anymore, I think that's a big part of this, and you'd hope it could come from Chris Paul and Devin Booker, but in a game like this where they combine for 10 turnovers, eight of those coming in the first half, 
the energy did not come from the star players. You know, it came from a couple of nice hard fouls that were sort of tone setting from Bridges or from Crowder and Johnson against Valanchunas. It came from Kaminsky and McGee in that third quarter and, and kind of taking control of the rebounding. It came from different places, but all of that stuff is to say that these are very much understandable growing pains. Should they still be winning more than they have? Yes, but also I think tonight is the sort of benchmark you can look at and say, guys are starting to get back on, on the right track and on and in tune with one another in a way that can actually potentially be a, a way to string together some wins. Houston, again, coming in on Thursday, that should be a very manageable game. Atlanta on Saturday is a nice challenge, but if you can win on Thursday, you're coming into that Atlanta game with three straight victories, and I think you have to be feeling like you're up to that challenge against Atlanta. Maybe Aiton is back, maybe Payne is back. I think that's the type of thing that you could see be a real turnaround moment. So I came into this game hoping it could be a get-right game. It didn't feel that way for the first 24 minutes, but maybe it still could be that. I think that's uh, I think that's what you have to hope for. All right, let's get to the main event in many ways here, the bench mob vibe check, and we'll talk a lot more about Kaminsky and McGee here. We'll talk as well about some of the guys not doing so well. Maybe talk a little bit about Mikhail Bridges as well. First, though, Quick word from Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever, and my favorite protein bar. Built Bar likes to say the healthiest candy bar ever. And if that's not good enough, if delicious, healthy protein is not your thing, well, they are coming at you for Thanksgiving. And with all of the good food and treats, you kind of want something to balance that out, meaning it's the perfect time for Built Bar. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert can feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie alone has upwards of 300 calories, and that can be on the low end. On the other hand, most Built Bars are only 130, 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein to boot. So replace the coconut cream pie with the coconut Built Bar, or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, and high protein, each covered in 100% real chocolate. Built Bar is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Maybe build that habit so that when that temptation comes along later this month, you don't have to worry. There are new surprises coming over at Built.com all month long. Limited time flavors. I told you about the pumpkin. I told you about the blueberry muffin. You got to just be checking in. You got to be checking in every time that you hear me talk about it to make sure you're not missing anything. And also, there's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday, so mark your calendar and get ready. All of it, available at Built.com, and all of it, always 15% off when you use the promo code LOCKED15 at checkout. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action you can get your hands on all season long with their new updated web interface. They also have a mobile app. It's pretty simple to go log in, make an account, and when you do, use the promo code LOCKEDON when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. From basketball and football to baseball, the NHL, boxing, UFC, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. If betting on the games is not your thing, BetOnline has you covered for all of it. Again, BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Closing out the show here, bench mob vibe check. We'll get into all of the guys across this second unit. 
Well, we'll talk about JaVale McGee as well, because that's typically his role, and that's exactly where I want to start. So Frank Kaminsky, plus 18 in 29 minutes. The Suns outscored the Pelicans by 18 points in the minutes where Frank was on the floor tonight. They were outscored by six in the 19 minutes that JaVale was on the floor. That very much shifted during that third quarter when JaVale did a lot of his damage. He did finish with 18 points at the end of that somehow. Um, but that that disparity shows you everything that you really need to know. And in a lot of ways about this entire game, the Suns really switched something on when Kaminsky came into the game in that second half and was able to turn things around. Even late in the first half, and then Kaminsky actually started the second half in place of McGee and I believe closed the game for the Suns. So four, uh, three assists and 17 points for Kaminsky. Six of six from the free throw line was very strange, but really all that they had to do was simplify the offense when the original sort of scheme and everything was not working. Devin Booker was missing his shots and the offense was really not flying. And Kaminsky, Paul, pick and roll. McGee, Paul, pick and roll was all that it took. I mean, the Pelicans just, yes, they were playing better defense than I expected for such a young team, but they are at the end of the day, one and seven and have a very young roster. And so trying to defend when you have McGee or we had Frank Kaminsky sort of slipping screens and rolling to the basket with an eye on making a pass to a teammate, and Chris Paul able to just set up that that play, no matter what the defense is doing, it was just nothing. There was nothing the Pelicans were going to be able to do. And so that was really what got Bridges and Crowder and the three-point shooters going. You saw Kaminsky finding Bridges on a cut. You saw a lot of that stuff really start to sing once... Kaminsky was out there. So no surprise that the plus 18 was there for him. On the other side, they really did start to find a good balance because when McGee came back in, yes, the first half was ugly, but they were, again, just simplifying things down, running the high pick and roll and getting McGee going toward the basket. He had an and one dunk that was filthy. He had a a couple of other very nice finishes and his job was very, very, very simple rather than the post-ups and the floaters and the elbow stuff that they've been trying to make him do lately since the season started. So those guys both by the end of the game looked very strong. That will have to continue if Aiton is going to continue to miss time. And I wouldn't be surprised if, so Jalen Smith did not play in this game and Abdul Nader still only got three minutes. So what that really meant is they were playing small. And I think that that, not the small part, but the minutes The minutes build up for each player could actually stay there when Aiton returns, which could be as soon as Thursday. I don't know. I don't think there's any reason to force him into action against the Houston Rockets. Maybe Saturday makes more sense in in a game against Atlanta that you probably want to win. But I think we could actually see size come back. I think we could see the big lineups again. Maybe that's more Kaminsky and Aiton, which nobody really loves, but there's not a great option right now while they are going through some of these growing pains offensively. Maybe there's a a path down in the future where Cam Johnson starts to turn things on a little bit more and he's able to take on more minutes. Maybe you eventually get Sharich back a long time from now. Maybe you make a deal between now and the deadline. But for the moment, I would say that I think Monty will continue to explore more Frank Kaminsky minutes, whether that's at the four or at the five, as long as matchups allow. I think too 
that because of that and because of how much more playing time we saw Kaminsky get than McGee in the second half and the fact that Monty wants to keep those McGee stretches pretty contained, I think you'll see Kaminsky start on Thursday. And I think that's a fairly good plan because you want to start better. I think you have the defensive talent on your roster to make up for maybe some of the lack of athleticism and rim protection that you have when Kaminsky's out there. It's not perfect. It's not what you want to be doing. But I think that that could really be another way to continue to put some of these struggles behind the Suns and start to string together some consecutive halves. Let's get this second half down. Good, obviously. Let's get the first half of the Houston game continuing that momentum. Second half of the Houston game, and then get into that Atlanta game with something, really some wind in your sails. Um, So that's the bench mob vibe check. Still puzzled by Cam Johnson's slow start, Landry Shamit's slow start. I think those guys will come around eventually. Um especially once Payne gets back. I mean, if that if, if Payne can come back, I think that's that unit will start to click. I think I have no reason to doubt that it will. It's just getting that continuity with multiple new pieces trying to play out their, um, their new role. The last thing I want to close on is actually, um, I'm not, I'm not going to call it Bridges Breakout Watch this year, but I will call it Similar to the recap segment for any returning listeners from last season that we would do, which was DeAndre Ayton. How many free throws did DeAndre Ayton take? I won't do free throws from Mikhail, but I will just do field goal attempts. Like how many straight up shots did Mikhail Bridges take? Because I don't know about you guys and how often you're looking at the box score this way. But as I make my way through, more often than not this season, Mikhail Bridges has taken the second most shots on this Suns team, and he's making more than 50% of them more often than not as well. Tonight, he was 9 of 15 from the field, led the team with 22 points, had another... He he doesn't lack for confidence in the fourth quarter, right? He, I believe, made a three in the fourth quarter. He also had some of those cuts and buckets when, like I said, Kaminsky was finding him. He got it in the mid-range a little bit. Didn't really pad the stat sheet like you would expect him him to in the other categories, but he also, maybe most notably, maybe the best accolade of the entire night for Mikhail is that Draymond Green tweeted that he was a great defender. And look, I mean, yes, it's Draymond. He's a TV personality guy now. He's an elder statesman in the NBA, so he's going to talk up his guys. But I mean, I don't take that lightly. I don't think anyone should. We didn't, it's not news. Draymond Green is not introducing us to the concept of Mikhail Bridges being an elite defender, but I think that part of his game is also improving. And when the Suns are having transition defense struggles, I promise you it's not because of him. He can squelch out transition plays for on an offense in one movement. He can switch out onto a ball handler. He can take somebody who's streaking by him. He can dig in from the three-point line as somebody is getting open for a layup and take that away. He is the solution a lot of the time to the Suns' transition defensive struggles in addition to being the elite team defender we already know he is, the elite point-of-attack guard defender that we already know he is. This guy is continuing to get better. But most importantly for the development this season and the Suns' ability to look a little different come playoff time, the shot number 15 for him is where 
you want him to be. I mean, you want him to feel comfortable and confident taking the second most shots on this team, especially when they're winning. I mean, yeah, there's going to be nights probably where shots are not going in, where Chris Paul has his rhythm, and he's going to be the guy to take the second most, if not the most, shots in a game. I mean, game six against the Clippers, nobody had any issue with the fact that Chris Paul was taking a bunch of shots and scoring 41 points in Staples Center to send himself to his first NBA Finals, right? So it's going to be balanced, just like it always has been. But I think I'm going to continue to monitor this because it's such a good sign of, of that confidence factor for him, which has been such a big ingredient. And the fact that he's taken a lot of twos, and it's not just getting up a bunch of threes, it's it's a genuine growth and diversification of what it is he's doing out there. His usage rate right now, 18.1%. I wouldn't be surprised this that was going into this game. Would not be surprised if it's a little higher now. And uh, that'll be a nice way to, for us to continue to check in on Mikhail as an offensive guy, even though we're not going to do the breakout watch because the breakout done happened. It's it's over. It is it is here. It is upon us. He has broken out. But the other parts of the game and, and the confidence and 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 involvement are going to be big. So again, 112-100, big, big, big moment to just put this game behind them, win it, and hopefully start to string some of these things together. That's my thoughts. We'll do this every single game during the week. We'll have the weekend games kind of patched into some of the other news and stuff as we always do. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Now go make Locked On Fantasy Basketball your second listen, and I will talk to you tomorrow.